Welcome back to Modern Day Disciples. AKA MDD, the podcast where we hear real stories from modern day disciples. My name is Kevin Bernaga. I'm the youth minister at St. Francis of Assisi Parish in San Jose, California. And my name is Ana Fuentes. I'm the youth minister at St. Anthony Parish in San Jose, California. What's up, dude? Yo, dude, how's it going? kind of crazy right now okay can we talk okay last week we kind of alluded to the fact that the world was falling apart but we didn't want to really dive into it because we're like are we being like too dramatic or too serious about this okay a week later days later actually days later it just blew up even more dude and it's like I okay here's the thing i know that the world's not falling apart but it really feels like it's falling apart especially here in santa clara but it's just scary I it think. is and have you been preparing have you been like <laughs> I'm like almost like low-key ashamed to admit this. What? So I've needed to go grocery shopping for like a few weeks now. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of avoiding it because I was like, people are going crazy. People are stockpiling things. Like, I don't want to be part of those crowds. <laughs> I don't want to fight people for toilet paper. Like, I'm just going to not go. Like, it, it's it's people are overreacting. Yeah. Um, but then yesterday, my brother texted myself and my sister. And he was saying, because he was going to invite us over for dinner, um, him and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, like, just so you know we interacted with someone who interacted with someone who has a confirmed case and like that text i was like wait you said because he said that that was sick and i was like okay like you know like have a cold sick or like confirmed case sick and he was like confirmed case and i was like oh (laughs) like that changes things and i was i mean i was kind of like joking around with him i was like uh that's a hard left for me like i'm not gonna see you like i'm sorry Mm -hmm. love you brother um but they're self-quarantined so they're self-quarantined being very smart very responsible of them oh yeah because i mean there's technically no requirement for them to do that but they know that in order to stop the spread like that is what you should do if you were potentially um interacting with someone um, who has it and so yeah like once i got that text i was like oh like this it hit home it hit home it was no longer oh like people are getting coronavirus it's like my brother might yeah third degree of separation like someone has it and i think Yes, there's a lot of anxiety and hysteria and a lot of misinformation, unfortunately, out Mm -hmm. there as well. Almost definitely. Um, But it was kind of a wake-up call. It's like, it's not so much... What what brings me the greatest fear is not so much if I can get it, when I get it, if I will be like... I'm young, I will most like... There's a very like high probability you'll you'll recover. 99.8% chance that I will recover. Yeah. Um, But what what frightens me and what drives the fear that I do have is that I could infect, I could potentially transmit it to someone who wouldn't survive. Yeah. Who's That's the scary part. More prone. Yeah. So, I mean, how have you been prepping? Uh, did, well, I don't know. Our youth ministry, I was supposed to have a retreat this, uh, this weekend, literally tomorrow um, so from sorry. when we're recording this on Friday, but we had to cancel it. And I just, it, it crushed me, like absolutely crushed me. And it was one of the hardest things I've had to do as a youth minister because, of course, my team's been, you know, my my awesome leaders have been like planning and, and mm. for the past like two, three months, just prepping and getting excited for this retreat. Some have moved stuff around, like their schedules around just to just to be there and give a talk or a testimony. And when I delivered the news to them last week, they were just crushed and that just broke my heart. But, um, but they're strong and I, I know that, you know, I told them their hard work won't go to 
won't go to waste and I'll do everything I can to make sure something happens. I don't know if that's necessarily a retreat or um, a day rally or something, but I want to make sure they know that, you know, their work didn't go to waste. Right. Absolutely. Um, But I, just like you, I've been prepping, dude. Oh my gosh. I went into survival mode. Yeah, no, same. And to be, to be very clear, I don't want to encourage the mass hysteria. I want to be very clear and very, um, direct about that to not encourage to over prep i think there is like i mean I, what i saw last night when i went grocery shop because i needed to go grocery shop i, I was like I, I got no food like i need yeah. to eat i need to stop eating out every single meal <laughs> and what i noticed is that everything is increasing in pricing like yeah. dude spam has never been so expensive where did you go what how much was spam i went to food max and maybe okay maybe i also haven't been grocery shopping in a while is three dollars expensive for spam because i feel like it is i don't know i don't i don't know the market price for, um... <laughs> can someone can one of our producers we don't have producers today guys <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know everything like maybe i again maybe it was just in my head but i felt like certain items were increasing pricing like canned goods were increasing pricing um certain goods that are like those that you would need for doomsday prepping, those that you would need for like, you know, the apocalypse or something. Um, And I needed to go grocery shopping, but I I will admit I like, I myself like fell into that fear, fell into that fear. Not so much again that I would get it and then I wouldn't survive it. But the idea that like in Italy, Mm -hmm. they quarantined their entire freaking country. country. Yeah. That's mad to me. Like what if Santa Clara County is like, okay, this is too hectic. We need to do something. Everyone self quarantine for two weeks like do you have enough goods and like yes i might have gotten more goods than just two weeks but like do you have enough goods for two weeks do you yeah. have enough to survive and make it through if if there is a mandated quarantine it's a little it's a little scary and i don't want it to be scary i don't want yeah. to fall to that all but it feels like a black mirror episode um if you if you stay ready you never have to get ready you know mm-hmm. what i mean so um, we just want to always be preca- like, you know, take this out of precaution. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's know, not d- bad to know. be prepped for a couple weeks. Exactly. And literally a month ago, none of this was on the forefront. We we had no idea how, you know, a month ago, it, it was kind of normal. Like A week ago, was it was of, still, a week ago, it was yeah. still mild. I remember I was driving to retreat with Rob and Katie and we were in the car and we we're talking about like, oh like theoretically like retreats could get canceled like oh no that that would happen like months maybe maybe way down the line yeah literally that night you showed up and you're like i have to cancel my retreat yeah like it it was in a matter of hours in which things change and that's what it's felt like is that things are rapidly changing hour by hour like tomorrow could look totally different on the news from what today is so we just want to you know i think one thing that i want to say to you guys as as our listeners is just to encourage you to take a break from the news i think it's really easy i know i find myself doing this it's like oh constantly updating twitter and thinking oh like what am i what am i missing oh my gosh this happened and this happened and this happened it's like even like last night they like in an hour span the nba postponed their season president trump made a travel ban from europe and there was one other thing but just Tom Hanks Tom and his Hanks. wife are there in Australia and they just tested positive for coronavirus. So they're staying quarantined down there. Yeah. And um, so it's just, it's wild. It's a wild time that we live in, but I think we need to have faith and to um, kind of be on the side of those in need and those who are maybe a little bit weaker and 
yes as a young person you're probably listening like oh that's not gonna affect me i wouldn't discount this yeah like you should be taking the same precautions for the safety not not of you necessarily but those you would interact with Mm. so don't take like washing your hands lightly being really um clean with hygiene and just like making sure your doorknobs and just those little things like that, making sure everything's sanitized and like staying home. If you're sick, like if you feel a little bit of sickness, stay home. Like that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's our responsibility. I think to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ to practice this, this kind of these methods to, to stop the spread. And it's crazy that that it just affects all of us. You know, It it just really shows how tied together one human race is. That it's not a European thing, it's not an Asian thing, it's not a U.S. thing. It's it's the whole world, you know. And we're in this together, and we've seen this before. You know, there was SARS, there was swine flu, there was bird flu in the past, and we've, you know, we've put people on the moon. We can find a cure or a vaccine for this, but it'll take some time. But this too, we're living history. You know, this will be in history books. This virus and how how fast it spread and how widely it spread. So, um, I saw something that cat posted on insta earlier this morning and the the post says the weak are worthy of the rest of us rearranging our lives Mm. the weak are worthy of the rest of us rearranging our lives and it says right now during this pandemic faith doesn't only look like protecting your body it is living like you're actually part of the body capital b it is not fear to take precautions it is courageous unselfish faith wow how much do we value the vulnerable in our midst? Are you willing to rearrange your life a little to stop the pandemic of COVID-19? Love looks like washing your hands often, practicing social distancing, staying home more, 100%, no question about it, staying home if you feel at all sick. Dear ones, this is not a moment to merely self-protect out of a sense of scarcity. The truest truth we love to forget is that we are interdependent. This is a moment to remember our shared humanity. This is a moment to express the reality of the body of the body Christ's life and death and resurrection formed. Wow. And it's like, whoa, That's like powerful. that spoke to my heart is that we belong to one another. Yeah. How often we forget that we belong to one another. I think that sums it up really well. Just look out for one another, think about one another, and um, we'll get through this together, you know? Yeah, we will. We will we'll see a better tomorrow. Definitely. Um, do you want to start our podcast off with a opening prayer? I would love to. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we come to you unworthy but wanting to be in your presence. Sometimes we feel rather weak or feel like we are unable to serve you in the ways that we want to serve you. Lord, give us strength. Lord, give us courage. We pray in a special way for our world this week. We pray for all those on the front lines fighting against the coronavirus, healthcare workers, scientists, those that are very, in a very real way, putting their own lives on the line for others. We pray for all those that have been affected by it directly and the families and those loved ones who, who see them directly affected by it. Lord, we pray for peace in this time of hysteria and chaos. We pray for comfort and rest in your arms. As we strive to focus on you, Lord, as we strive to focus on your light and sometimes this darkness. 
Lord, we pray in a special way for our guest. We pray that his story may capture your love. We pray that his story may transform hearts. We pray for strength and courage in him sharing his story, whether that be vulnerability or faith in you, whatever he needs, Lord, bestow that upon him. That his story may glorify you and bring others to know your heart, Lord. We thank you, as always, for this opportunity to participate in this ministry. We thank you for our listeners. We pray for our listeners. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Roll the intro. We're back with episode nine. Episode nine in season two. Man, we're almost done. Dude, we've done so many episodes. This is crazy. <laughs> I'm very excited for this one, though. Yo, dude, this was definitely spirit-led. Oh, it definitely was. I completely agree. I feel like this guest was placed on our hearts um, kind of out of nowhere, it felt like. It felt mm-hmm. like out of nowhere at first, but then as as the week went on leading up to this guest presence on this podcast, it felt more and more like, whoa, the Spirit is working through this. Um, and funny that we talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 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 Jokes. You'll get that later. <laughs> um, no, I. when did you first meet our guest? Oh, man. I think it was, it was in, within the past year. Definitely. Okay, okay. I think it was... Um, I'm looking at him like within the past year. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> it, was, mark, it was definitely mark. within the past year. I think it was at a retreat um, with this person's parish, and I was helping out. And oh, um, I just remember I'm like, "That's nice hair." Okay. Literally, I was like, "This guy has nice hair." He got a flow. Yes, I was just like, and he was when I started talking to him, he was one of the nicest kind of people ever. And I think the first time I really kind of heard his story was. He gave a talk at that retreat. Oh, yo! Um, and I sh- he shared that you know we he went to these certain places and did ministry, and I just went to some of those places. So we sat together at lunch or something, and I and I brought it up, and we sh- like I shared pictures with him, and it was I think that was the start of our of our friendship. That's awesome. Yeah. I so I first met our guest um, in 2017. Oh wow! Um, it was my first DYR as a youth minister. And our guest had just graduated college and he was serving as a servant leader on this retreat mm-hmm. um, right before he left on his year of service. And we'll get into that later. Um, but we were homies. Like, I remember, okay, it's f- kind of funny. The most vivid memory I have is Friday morning, mm-hmm. last day of DYR retreat. We're in the, we're in Dobbins. Yeah, the main hall. And we're in the, the diocese yeah. youth retreat. We're in the main hall and we are so tired. Literally, I think I have a Snapchat video. He's got his head back and he's like falling asleep. Like literally <laughs> Friday morning, we're just dead. No one, We're all sitting in a circle, but none of us are even talking to each other. We're dead tired. That pretty summarizes <laughs> the leader perspective of, Diwa, of the Dawson and Heath Cheat. Oh, for sure. For sure. But no, I, I remember being really excited about what um, this guest was going to be doing with his life. Mm. And I'm excited now to hear all those stories because I... It was kind of like we met and I was like, yo, you're really cool. Okay, bye. Because <laughs> he left on on, a, on his year of service. Um, so without further ado, we have Timmy, Timmy Gale. Gale. Hey, hey. 
Hey. Hey. <laughs> I love that. I love <laughs> listening to people's like intros. Like the first thing they say. Because yeah. people go, hey, yo, 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 yo. What's up? I know. I had to think about it. Like what, what's the first thing that I say? Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so let us introduce Timmy Gale. Timmy Gale is a self-proclaimed part-time dog walker. He is an avid library enthusiast. Wow. And he is a prospective prospective grad student for masters in social work that's amazing at the same time he volunteers at holy spirit parish uh, for youth ministry he does middle school high school and confirmation so welcome timmy thanks for having me i'm excited to be here oh my <laughs> last night 11 30 <laughs> i think i got a text don't tell her guess that <laughs> spirit led <laughs> i mean that just shows how much i wanted to be here no, oh, it was gosh. for sure spirit-led. Um, we were on retreat with Timmy this past weekend mm-hmm. with Holy Spirit on their confirmation retreat. And we got to um, be in fellowship together that we can serve together. And it came up real like Kevin and I were both like, yo, like we want to have this dude on the podcast. Oh, definitely. And it was one of those things where we saw each other across the room and we're like, yeah. And like, we, we kind of like, did like, head the nod. Head nod towards like, Timmy. We're like, yeah. 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 Yes, exactly. Like, dude, I was thinking the same thing. Wow. And I had a confession. I wanted to be on it, but I hadn't yet listened to anything, so I felt kind of bad. <laughs> I went <laughs> home that same night, and I went and listened. Yes. Oh. It was very, very... Whose episode did you listen to? Ro David. Oh, of course. Holy Spirit. I, I'm sorry. I mean David Rowe. Oh, David Rowe. <laughs> yeah, David, David Rowe. Rowe. His first name is David, guys. At the retreat, I was sitting on the stage. I think it was one of the last days, and then Timmy goes, so this podcast and i'm like yeah have you listened to it he goes oh no so who do i have to talk to to get in on it (laughs) (laughs) that's hella funny but we're so glad that you're here so glad sooner rather than later for sure for sure and so we want to uh jump into your story of course Mm. um do you want to start from the beginning uh before i do that i just i love what you ended off with with talking about belonging because that's kind of more and more what's been at my heart these last couple of years. And I think mm. a lot about Mother Teresa when she says, if we have no peace, it's because we've forgotten we belong to each other. Mm. One more time for the people in the back. If we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. Wow. This guy, dude. It's what? Like, he's been on the podcast for like two minutes. <laughs> Again, not me. Mother Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> People start making shirts. Timmy Gale. Timmy Gale. Timmy Gale said this in 2020. I I think that just speaks to my faith, though. It's become a lot of synthesizing of different theologies and this kind of richness from Father Greg Boyle to Richard Rohr. Mm. And I've... Wow, great authors. Yeah. And I've had this wonderful privilege to kind of get to know them through their works. And I think sometimes people think that it's my wisdom. And I have to remind them that there's this richness in our Catholic faith and what, what we have with each other man dude i i love i i already see the jesuit influence um not to mm. get ahead in your story here um i already see the jesuit influence in in how you're talking father greg boyle um and jesuit ideals of being men and women for others um and well i'll, I'll let you get to that part of your story when when we get there so but. where did you um where did you grow up so I grew up here in San Jose. I okay. actually was here in Evergreen for a little bit before my parents decided to move. Really? Yeah. Did you go to like elementary school here? No, it was oh, okay. before that. I was still we. Oh, we. Oh, we. Oh, we lad. You <laughs> might say. Um, you know, but similar story to I think other Catholics, cradle Catholic. I was born, and that's what my parents decided was for me. 
And so that's the kind of standard story, that map of going in and not really vibing with it or really having a richness there. And so in eighth grade, I was at my middle school and my parents decided I was about to transition high school to, to high school and that would be a good time to transition churches. And at the time I had family out at Holy Spirit and so my parents decided to take us there. And that's kind of what led to a lot of different things in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was this anxious little freshman, this little wall <laughs> hugger. <laughs> and I remember very vividly, my parents forced me to go on the fall retreat and okay, I knew okay. nobody and I was so angry. Ooh. And you didn't want to go. I didn't want to go at all. <laughs> I remember meeting Ro and he loves to tell the story of me just being hunkered down and being so small. <laughs> And from there, it just has led to a lot of wonderful things in my life. Wow. Was there anything particularly that you remember about that retreat that that kind of converted or changed your heart? I think it was just the joy and the energy behind the faith. It didn't Mm -hmm. have to be all about sitting in mass. And that wasn't the only thing that is faith. Yeah. It, It was the energy in the songs and seeing other kids my age groove with it and not think it was lame or just something that they had to do. Now growing, oh yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, were there leaders that kind of opened those doors where it's like, oh, this isn't like I don't have to stand on the wall, I don't have to think that this is lame. That kind of allowed you to um, open yourself up to that energy. Well, I think I was very fortunate in that first retreat. For whatever reason, it was very small. I mm. think there were maybe twenty of us. Okay, twenty very to thirty intimate. of us. It was yeah, it was very intimate. And so I think that just springboarded me into getting to know those people more deeply instead of just kind of passing. And enjoying the other people's presence and passing, but truly getting to know them in small group mm. and wanting to return and figure out, hey, what is this about? Yeah. So when you got into high school, was this the start of the transition of faith where transitioning from like, you know, parents are forcing you versus like, this is something you were excited about or wanted to be present at? Mm-hmm. I think from there, then I started to go willingly week to week. And that kind of became my routine for the next couple of years. Mm. And then the next big touchstone in my life was going to Nicaragua, where oh. that really, really had an impact on my heart and seeing uh, a perspective outside the U.S. Mm. What um, what did you go like by yourself? Did you get to go with a group? I went through I went with my parish, Holy Spirit, through this incredible organization, Amigos for Christ, okay. and cannot thank them enough for the transformation that they're currently doing and have done in my own life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and that's. Part of that is what led to me being a volunteer with the Jesuit Volunteer Corps is because I knew there was so much struggle and strife with inside the U.S. Mm. And I had never had the curiosity before to figure out what's going on here in our home. Wow. I see. So what what how old were you when you went to Nicaragua? I was a junior in high school okay 16 17. That's really weird. I was when I was a junior in high school. I went to. I went to Nicaragua. Wait, actually? No, you I, didn't. I did. Like, well, what year? I went in 20, I think it was 2011 to 2012 or 2012. I don't know. They've kind of all blurred together. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit more about that experience and how your heart was transformed. Uh, so Amigos for Christ, their catch line is making Christ more visible. Mm. And the way that they do things with the Nicaraguans is with, not for. And so the Jesuits talk a lot about being for others, but something I prefer is being men with others or people with others. 
because it's it's not there's not a power differential yeah it's not me over you i i I like the mutuality of it Mm -hmm. we all have something to offer to each other and you know you hear this common through line when people do services oh they gave so much back to me i was expecting to do this for them and i really got so much more you know that's a really common experience that you hear yeah absolutely and i I love that i love the because i think that that speaks into true solidarity it's not being that power like 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 you're talking about that power differential and i always had a difficult time growing up thinking about um i would always see um people going on mission trips where it'd be like look what i did i did all these things for them and i just like it made me cringe so hard like do you what do you mean they didn't need you to save them like yeah. what are you what are you talking about mm-hmm. and that would back. yeah that would always just rub me the wrong way yeah. but the way that you're talking about it and the way that your experience was it's not like oh i'm i'm better higher than you and i need to give you things it's like i'm gonna be with you we're in this together that solidarity that true solidarity, solidarity. that christ calls us to it definitely goes back to what how you started this whole podcast with we belong to each other you know it's mm-hmm. not like we need yeah it's it's amazing. It's very selfless. Absolutely. Um, it's very Christ-like. I love that mentality of doing it with and not for. And I think it's so interesting. It's just one word, but how language conveys so much. Mm. It's I so think powerful. It, and I think that's the beauty of language. And when I was at this social worker conference in Chicago, they were talking a lot about Latin America. It was a Latino social workers conference. Yeah. And they're talking about a Central American country that uses usuarios, so users, instead of clients Mm. and just talking about somebody that needs to access services and their user but that's not really their identity wow i love that i love that too um where did you go to high school i went to bellarmine go bells go Go every school school. (laughs) go every school but go bells (laughs) that's awesome how was your experience there it was fine it was good I, i didn't have anything to complain about so one of the things I am grateful for with Bellarmine, though, is the requirement for service, mm. which, you know, as a high schooler, you're just figuring out what's the easiest way to yeah. scam the system. To get, the, get those hours signed. <laughs> get sign. those hours in. <laughs> and part of that is what led me to Nicaragua. Not not entirely, because I was already interested in, in what was going there, but it, it was an added benefit that I could do something I loved and also get credit for it. Mm. So it it cracked the door on these different issues because even though I wasn't engaging with them willingly at the time, it we were required to work with different populations. So people with mental health issues or experiencing poverty, um, just a wide variety of, of issues that it just cracked the door for me and, mm-hmm. and has started to lead to more things. Wow. Was there a specific part of your trip to Nicaragua or your your time there where you explicitly saw Christ? Where you had no doubt that, wow, like Christ, like, Christ is, is here present. and he wants me here. So I would think it, it was on my return, my second year there. Mm-hmm. I Not to say I didn't see my first year, but the first year I was there, I met this family and they had two young kids, mm-hmm. the age where you would think they don't remember anything. And I spent several days working alongside other Americans yeah. at their house, digging a bathroom and when taking a bathroom yeah so one of the things that amigos for christ does amongst working for clean water systems is building modern bathrooms so flush toilet to prevent parasites because it's something that we don't think about and we're talking about the coronavirus but one of the greatest modern medical inventions was the toilet fun fact and we take it for granted here we so do we Mm -hmm. so do so they didn't even have they didn't have a 
a working toilet Mm-mm. in this village that you worked in? Not, no, not at that point. Wow. Yeah. So they're going in latrines. But that following summer that I returned, these two little kids came up running and remembering my name and who I was, as well as the mom. And the several years after I kept returning, they kept coming to find me, even though I was working in different parts of that village. Oh. And so to see that and to feel that love of just wanting to be with me and run around on my back mm-hmm. was humbling, to say the least. Wow. That's such a beautiful image that... I don't, it just seems so intentional to, I mean, they could remember me and be like, ah, this, this dude, whatever. But the fact that they cared enough to seek you out time and time again, Mm -hmm. to remember you with love. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to get to know in a different family and get to know their daughter who was a little bit older Mm -hmm. and to actually have conversation with her, with my, at the time limited Spanish and to really build a relationship with somebody and to show that if you care, you can build a bond with somebody. Wow. So in transitioning out of high school, where did you, where did you go to college? University of Nevada. Oh. Go Wolfpack. Go Wolfpack. Go Wolfpack. <laughs> <laughs> you started howl. <laughs> howl. <laughs> Sorry for howling at your speakers, guys. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> so how was that? That's in Reno? Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me about that experience. So initially when I was there, wanted nothing to do with it. You know, I was coming from this place of privilege where I, especially coming from Bellarmine, mm-hmm. which was kind of hard of the very emphasis, the emphasis on look at where all our students go to school, yeah. these big name brand schools. And so when I was going there for, for financial reasons, that was kind of a, a blow to the ego mm-hmm. and not thinking about, wow, I'm in college Mm. Yeah. And that in itself is very fortunate to be able to go there. And so it was kind of a hard transition. I was outside my faith community, which Holy Spirit was so pivotal for me. And that's where I had so many of my close friends to suddenly being in a place that I didn't want to be at Mm. and not knowing anybody. And so that first year was really, really hard until I met the people I'd eventually live with for the next three years. And and they were just the people that I needed to be around. How did you meet them? Being in the dorms. Just being in the dorms. And being in the dorms. All year. Wow. So how, sorry, I, if I don't know this, but how large is um, University of Nevada? I think it's about 20,000 now. It's growing. Okay. That's a very that's large actually, school. Yeah, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. So did wow. you feel, did you ever feel kind of like lost in like just another like just another number because it's such a large school or did you feel like you could transition into like having like building your own community? Was that difficult? I think I kind of like the anonymity. Mm. I don't like having the spotlight on me, but here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It makes, it makes me uncomfortable for the most part when I'm, when there's only say 15 people in the classroom and, and you know, who's who. Yeah. In some ways that I don't, I don't like that. So it gave me the freedom, especially going in undecided. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. So I had some freedom to explore what it was I wanted to study. Wow. And so being away from your faith community that you were so comfortable with, and that was a pivotal point in your life, how was your faith life at school and college? Did it, did it, was it harder to, you know, attend mass and stuff like that? Or was it really readily available? It was mostly self-led. It mm. was me doing reflections and it was kind of up and down. I would mm. come back when I could to help lead retreats still. And whenever I was in town, I'd be at Holy Spirit. But up there, I didn't have 
a, a community in that that same sense. Yeah. Not until my senior year when I started going to our Newman Center, but then that kind of came with its own complications of, of interpersonal drama that was going on before I got there. Oh, mm-hmm. so it wasn't the healthiest of environments. No, but I was there because I was longing for something and trying to make it work. Wow. Mm. And you kept trying. So how how was the Newman Center? Like when you were involved, like were there some things that were fruitful for your faith? Yeah, they they strove to make community on Wednesday nights and to mm-hmm. do things just for college students that were good in, in a place that I hadn't talked with faith, with people my own age in, mm-hmm. in that time span. So that was a good, healthy space to do that. Uh-huh. And so you said that you were finding... Um, you're trying to figure out, you know, your path and, and what you want to study. What, what, where did that lead up to? I ended up becoming an anthropology major. Oh, okay. So studying cultures, people, living, dead. And what inspired that that choice? I, you know, it's just serendipity. I took an anthropology 101 as a just general elective course, and I ended up loving it. And I kept taking them, and that's where that's I ended. That's so cool. That's I, really cool. I took one anthropology class in college and I loved it. It was so fascinating. Not enough to be a major for me personally, <laughs> but it's, it, it is, it's so fascinating the study of cultures and people from a different perspective. Cause I feel like psychology is kind of like the mental and like mm-hmm. the scientific kind of mental health side of it. Whereas Behavior. philosophy, let me get in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And where, and then anthropology T- talk a little bit about anthropology for those yeah. that don't know. Well, something that I think part of the reason anthropology was so fascinating for me is because it tied into my personal values of learning how to respect other cultures and recognizing your own internal biases of what you've been told. You know, mm-hmm. you have to take a step back and look at just because it seems odd to you because it's not something you grew up with. Doesn't, there's not it's not inherently strange yeah it doesn't justify it being you know mm-hmm. because normal to you could be normal to to someone else that's very interesting so okay so you're fascinating man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're cool. an anthropology major and you're graduating college how did you discern doing a year of service at mm. this point i had no idea what was going on mm-hmm. but the summer before The most recent summer to that, I was in Nicaragua again. Surprise, surprise. And I met somebody there that was going into JVC, so the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. So it had been on my mind. And I was texting a friend saying, help, I'm graduating. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) And she reminded me about the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. Mm. And so at the time, I started applying. And I was still thinking about youth ministry because it had been very impactful for me and kind of discerning, oh, do I want to be a youth minister long term? Mm -hmm. And so my choices came around for where I could serve. And there was a parish in San Antonio, Texas, where I'd be the youth minister. And so I said, okay, I feel kind of nervous, hesitant about it, but let's just go for it. Wow. And so that's how that that whole journey began. And and when I got there, it was very humbling. It's on the west side of San Antonio, kind of poor, poorer parish. Mm-hmm. And our youth group only had twelve kids. Twelve youth, mm-hmm. like high, middle school, high school. Uh, that was including everybody. Mi- so it mixture. wasn't like a middle school night one night and then a high school night another night. Was it a bigger parish? Um, Not so much. I mean, there were a couple hundred. Okay. Yeah. So you were a youth minister in San Antonio, Texas. How did the youth respond to you? Did they, I, was it kind of easy to minister to them? Were they kind of like, I, being, you know, a, a youth, a new youth minister? Yeah, Sorry, how was that? 
It was it was interesting, especially because uh, the West Side is uh, it's a heavy Latino population, and so they came in mm. and you know they would like to make fun of my accent and kind of just needle me, and I kind of just go with it. You know, I wasn't there; they don't know me. So first, <laughs> I needed to establish relationship, and I'm coming in and not trying to be this authority figure, but get to know them first and let mm. them get to know me before saying, "Look what I have to teach you," because I don't know what their experience is like growing up. Yeah. And so through that, they were teaching me what needs to be done in order to to build a bond. Wow. How was that in in building relation? I mean, that's that's what we talk about all the time, relational ministry. Mm-hmm. So how was that getting to know them and them getting to know you? Was there a pivotal moment where you're like you felt part of their community, part of like being with them in the true sense of it? I think I don't know if there's a pivotal moment, but I, I remember when they started teasing me and calling me the wrong name on purpose. And <laughs> That's I, when you know. That's when you know. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, okay, guys. <laughs> when they make, honestly, when teens make fun of you, you know that you're they love in. you. You're yeah. in. You're in. You're in. Um, and, and I think they just genuinely didn't want me to go. Mm. And it, there came a point in the year when I decided to do another year but not to stay at that parish, even though I'd been asked to consider staying there. And I was talking with a friend and saying, why Why am I doing this again when I'm leaving here with pieces of my heart behind because of the, the friendships and the, the community that I've made, knowing that I'll be in the same position next year, mm-hmm. feeling hopefully sad because I've done a good job of integrating and being a part of somebody's life and letting yeah. them be a part of mine. How do you let go? That's crazy. Or just how do you hold it lightly? Yeah. That's so, that's so unbelievably difficult. I can't even imagine. I I mean, I I think to the the relationships that I've built in ministry with the teens that I've encountered and it wasn't only a year. It wasn't only a year. I can't even imagine what that's like to, like, again, you're right. A piece of your heart is always there and it's always with them. Um, So you felt called to do another year. Mm-hmm. Because at that same time I was at the parish, I was in our very small food pantry. Mm-hmm. And so kind of getting exposure to people experiencing homelessness and struggling with addiction and other issues. And at that time it started the wheels turning in my head. Oh, maybe you want to do social work. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is how you get to be with people and practice your faith. Because something I, I noticed when listening to your podcast is the authenticity with which you speak and that's not something words of that kind with faith aren't how I how I live my faith. It feels inauthentic to who I am. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm able to go out, and I'm not saying that you don't do this because I know both of you do. Mm-hmm. When I'm able to just live what I feel are my values and my faith, then I feel the authenticity in myself. And so that's what led me to be there. And I thought that social work allows me to hold those values of how I care for people wow. and to, to make it, a daily part of my life, not just a side aspect of, oh, I have a couple of hours here, so I guess I'll go do it. Mm-hmm. So how was the, how did you end up in, so you were in San Antonio, Texas, and then your second year for JVC, you were in Chicago, wow. Illinois. Mm-hmm. That's a big jump. That's a big jump. <laughs> big how, jump in temperatures. Yes. <laughs> how was that for you? It was a very hard transition. Oh. Um, culturally, the cities are very different. Yeah. My job was incredibly demanding, 
they it's a Spanish speaking agency and they didn't interview me in Spanish. So I'm coming in wondering, am I going to be able to communicate with any of the people that are coming here for me? Yeah. And so that was very humbling to to step back and look at, you know, these people are here for assistance and it's my duty to be able to do that. So that means being able to ask my coworkers for help wow. and, and learning how to be a part of a team in that sense. And also with the people that were helping of saying, you know, I'm still learning this and using that as a point of connection for people that didn't speak English or were learning or saying, oh, no, that's OK, because I'm still learning and being able to bond over our own insecurities. How long were you in Chicago for? One year. One year. Okay. Mm-hmm. You decided to just keep it to one year. Yeah. Did you have a did you have a option to I didn't have an option, but I think if I would have asked or I there would have been a way for me to stay working where I was and to remain there, but there were things calling me home mm. that I needed to address. Wow. So, I do want to get into what things were calling you home, what you need to address. But for those that don't know, um, I, I'm pretty well versed in JVC just being from a Jesuit university. Lots of my friends did Jesuit volunteer corps and they always say, they're, they're, I know I, I heard the phrases change, but they used to say that it wrecks you for life. It wrecks you for life. Mm-hmm. Wrecks you for life. What did it change to? Dare to change. Dare to change. That's, that's the new one. that doesn't it doesn't carry the same weight so um for those that don't know in jvc you are living in an intentional community um with other jesuit volunteer members Mm. and you have a stipend and you you live very basically with only kind of like you don't live in excess i yes how how can you talk a little bit about how that was for you and like that transition from like, you know, living in college where you, you kind of, you can live lavish in, for a college student, but it, it's a little different when you're living on a stipend. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of just like bare necessities, like what you need to live? So I, I had to do a lot of thinking about how to describe this to people because yes, we're not getting paid, but I've learned to say we're not getting paid in the traditional sense. You know, we have housing, we have a budget for groceries, and then on top of that, we have a stipend to spend how we want. Mm-hmm. And that's so much more than our clients can say for the most part. It's very true. Just because I'm not getting a salary doesn't mean I'm not earning something in that sense. You know, and that's looking at our, what is success in the society? Mm. And and I think that came up repeatedly of, okay, what's next after this year? Are you going to get a job and not valuing being present? And then also acknowledging the value of learning from other people. And, and that intentional community, when you mentioned earlier with the coronavirus of, oh, we need to be aware of how we're affecting other people. Yeah. One of my roommates, I remember her mentioning, we need to get our flu shot for people that are more susceptible and mm-hmm. kind of being taken aback of, oh, yeah, this isn't about me. Wow. And just collections of all these moments of expanding my self-awareness and compassion for others and just being mindful of how I impact others. Wow. Kind of just changes your mindset. Mm-hmm. Really does. So what did, um, how did living with other Jesuit volunteers influence you as a person? I think it, it softened me. It it made me a lot more flexible and less rigid. I I remember coming into my first year of being, oh, there are several people in my house. I don't know how this is going to go. And thinking to myself, okay, this is an opportunity to learn how to love somebody that is difficult for you to be with. 
And I think I did that well because that person now is one of my best friends. Mm. And so just giving into that opportunity and kind of remaining with that mindset of how do you learn to love somebody that is hard, is, is hard for you to interact with. Yeah. That that's coming from a very different background or has very different beliefs and how to just have conversations about important things to you without getting caught up in you're right, you're wrong. Mm. How did you get to that moment where they're, they're now your best friend? Lots of times together because we were both youth ministers. We had the same work week. Mm. We both had Friday, Saturday off. So we had that one day just to ourselves and we would just spend a lot of time together learning about each other. And sometimes it was, she was the most frustrating person to be around, (laughs) but also I saw how much she cared and that it wasn't coming from a place of hate, but really of having this really big heart. Wow, That's beautiful. And then how many, so how many people were living in your house in Texas? So in Texas, there were eight of us. Okay. There were eight Jesuit volunteers? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oof, that's, that sounds, okay. In I one would, house. In one house. So but th- to be fair, it was an old convent. Oh. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay, Real world it. Jesuit volunteer yeah. corps. <laughs> but my house in Chicago was just a normal house. It was, it was a walk up. Okay. okay. And how many people in Chicago? There were five of us there. Wow. How did the two communities compare to each other? They're so, so, so different. Really? Um, my community in San Antonio was kind of fractured in a sense. But there were five of us who really liked to just spend time together. And they weren't necessarily the most PC people. Whereas <laughs> my community in Chicago, and I, I'm saying this with love for both of them, for both groups, they were all about social justice, mm-hmm. but didn't necessarily want to spend every moment together. So there was this interesting shift of at 9, 9 p.m. at night in Chicago, everybody was asleep. Whereas in Texas, everybody was up until 12. Yeah. Just hanging out. Just talking. hanging out, talking out, listening to music. And they're totally different vibes. Oh, interesting. And so I got two very unique experiences. And something I'm grateful about moving from San Antonio instead of remaining there for a second year is I got to learn again with a new group of people. Yeah. You know, even though I had a year under my belt, I was in a new city, and so I didn't know any more than anybody else did. I knew generally what the year looked like and some of the challenges to expect. But, And that's just, I don't know, just to me it makes you such an amazing person to be able to be open to these two different experiences because I always say as a, as a leader, you it depend, like a, good, a, a sign of a, a good leader is how they adapt to change, right? And so that you embraced going from one where it's like, very hospitable and you're just talking and having fun with your friends to going to nine o'clock everyone's sleeping and you're like sitting there like all right well (laughs) and that wasn't a rule it was just how people's energies needed to be yeah yeah but it's a hard adjustment of oh but you learn from both groups Mm -hmm. evenly that's awesome ah dude i i feel like every time every time i talk to a a jesuit volunteer i just see how much their life has been changed because Mm -hmm. of it like it really does like wreck you for life Mm-hmm. like my i have a friend um actually she was my clc leader in college mm-hmm. um charlotte she was a year above me and she did jesuit volunteer corps and now she's getting her master's in social work and whoa. theology double double program um in boston at boston college whoa wow. yeah and so it's super rad because she after jesuit volunteer corps she was like felt this call to help others in a deeper way in a more impactful way and yeah so it's 
I love I love those that have done Jesuit Volunteer Corps. Um, I think there's something about them that is different and, and inherently changed by the experience that they've had. I think just kind of selfishly, I like doing it because I know how much I'll learn from the people I encounter. You know, I, I know I have some things to offer, but that's not really why I'm going there. Mm-hmm. Initially, when I moved to Texas, I thought of that, the the story of the boy walking along the sea with the sea stars and oh yeah if i can only make a difference for that one and that was kind of my mentality and then i remembered you know it's not really about making a difference it's just about being present to somebody i I don't the power of presence yeah i don't need to be above somebody in that way yeah so you talked earlier about um a need to come home a call to come home to to i can't remember how you phrase it to a call a call to come home um what was that call my my call my calling home was my family i've been away for a couple of years and there'd been some pretty big shifts in Mm -hmm. family life my parents are divorced and my dad is remarried Mm -hmm. and so i wanted to put time and investment into figuring out what do these new dynamics look like for me and it's been a really really rough year and something I've had to use all my skills I've learned the past couple of years of, okay, what are these boundaries? What are, What's healthy for me? And what's going to ultimately help me grow and, and, and heal? Mm-hmm. And so currently I've had to take a step back from my dad and have some space, which sounds kind of counterintuitive. counterintuitive mm-hmm. But to, to say what, what do I need and what is going to allow for a healthy family relationship? Yeah. So taking a step back in reverse reverse. (laughs) the theme of this retreat this past weekend yeah was reverse he's like reverse he's got his eyebrows going up and down (laughs) reverse reverse. eyebrow action (laughs) um and really taking a step back in order to take a step closer that's um i think it's also been a very fruitful year Mm. to come to return to some place that i had roots especially with the church community and I was honestly very hesitant to return when Roe asked me, oh, do you want to come back and help out with youth ministry? And there was a big part of me that was super excited. But also I know with the church scandals and all these other things. Yeah, um, true. And and part of it, though, was this issue surrounding my identity of, of really within the last year of, I think, coming out to myself about being bisexual and, and wondering how can I be this presence of support in this community and and using my voice and my experiences in that sense and and it was i think the spirit because that first semester at holy spirit was all about inclusivity in the church yeah and how we all belong so coming back mm-hmm. so from there it's just been this really fruitful experience of having teens trust me as you both know yeah um but how we offer ourselves to let others be supported wow Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for sharing with us Um, how you're right. It it feels so spirit led that the semester in which you come back, that when you start volunteering again is when they talk about inclusivity. Mm -hmm. Um, Where do you feel the church could improve on inclusivity? Like what was that semester like? What did you guys talk about? Um, What did you have to input into the conversation? Yeah. You know, it it was kind of surprising because one of the, first semester nights one of the teens talked about her story of belonging to the lgbtq community and i was blown away that she was 
given the platform to openly speak about it. Yeah. You know, that to me just showed how much change, even if it's at a smaller scale, because you know it grows, mm-hmm. that that it's allowed and encouraged that Roe would give her the platform to do that. Mm. And starting with these smaller changes to hopefully grow. But it is something I wrestle with when you see people that are part of the community. And I've known people that have come out to me, but are not out with the rest of their community in the places I've lived and worked Mm -hmm. and how damaging that is to them. But they love their faith so much that they're there. And in some senses of isolation in a place that you should have community. So how, how do we be this safe space for people? How, I mean, that's unimaginably tough to feel as if you have to hide part of who you are from this community that is supposed to love you from this community that is supposed to be there for you and encourage you and support you and feel like you have to hide part of yourself. yourself. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that is unbelievably tough. And so how, how do you think we as Catholics can be better? I think this is what it, it's something that I don't have fully formed thoughts on. It's it's just something I spend time reflecting and praying about. Mm of you know when it comes back to it the heart of it is love yeah and and are my actions loving mm-hmm. and if they're not then maybe you should take a step back and check how you're talking to somebody mm. and just realize or even if you don't i know being on this retreat this past weekend i heard a bunch of the eighth grade boys saying things that were they bruised me you know because you don't know who's around you you don't know everybody's story that's true mm. and you know there's this pc culture but I think going beyond that of just being aware of of how other people are with you to try and be kind mm. and how that, that plays out within the Catholic Church. Yeah. Just to allow people to speak without having to hush them. Yeah. And yeah. I and I think we're we're quick we're quick to speak instead of to listen. Mm. I think we're quick to oh uh, quick to say like a million things instead of being like, what is this person actually saying to me? Yeah. What is this person actually sharing? Especially if they're sharing their heart, if they're sharing something that is that is near and dear to them. Like, are we opening up avenues to have conversations? Or are we shutting them down immediately? Like, are we shutting them down before they happen? Yeah. And I think that's why I was excited to be on this podcast because I know what you're seeking to do is tell a wide variety of stories so that people can resonate with them, mm. and you're not just getting the same type of guests to tell one story exactly. that you could be put in one episode. Exactly. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's this really great podcast that I've been listening to lately. It's called Poetry Unbound. Mm. And it's it's led by, his name is Padre Gotuma. Mm. So he's an Irish man and theologian, and he happens to be gay. And so he looks at different poems just about life. Mm-hmm. And one that really resonated with me is called The Book of Genesis. And if you let me, I'd, I'd read it. Oh, of course. Please, please read poetry on our podcast. I love it. Go ahead. Suppose there was a book full of only the word let, from whose clip sound all things begin, fur and firmament, feather, the first whale, and suppose. We could scroll through its pages every day to find and pronounce a let, meant only for us. We would stumble through the streets with open books, eyes crossed from too much reading. We would speak in auto-rhyme, the world echo itself, and still we'd continue in rounds, saying let and let and let until even silent dreams had been allowed and when he talks about it he kind of just dissects it he he talks about the beauty of this this word suppose Mm. of this imaginary of let's 
maybe there's not a book written about us, but let's suppose there is. And what are all the ways that we're allowed to be ourselves? Let me be this way. Mm -hmm. And I can't do it justice. So I would encourage you to go out there and listen to it, but just giving us permission to be who we are. Wow. I think it's interesting because oftentimes we don't try to understand like as Catholics, I'm just I'm just gonna be really honest here. I think oftentimes in, in the Catholic Church, we don't take time to understand the experiences of others if we don't experience that ourselves. Amen. Like we accept, like I don't know. It's so easy to just everything's just black and white, or everything's just like this is how it is, and this is how it's always gonna be, and this is just like it feels very rigid. And I think I don't think there's necessarily. I don't want to throw away the rigidness altogether. I'm not trying to do that. I want to be very clear about that. But I think there's something to be said about listening to the experiences firsthand of those in the LGBTQ plus community first and, and to see where they're coming from mm-hmm. and to under, seek to understand and seek to listen rather than to assume that you know what their experiences are. And be quick to judge. And be quick to judge. Yeah. Um, actually, the the gospel... The gospel the other day, I went to daily mass and I literally, I like went and like read through it again because it was, it was so powerful. And the priest there, Father Zampelli, um, he's a Jesuit, he's in the theater program. Mm-hmm. Um, just really quickly, I'll just read part of the gospel. If it's from Luke chapter six, Jesus said to his disciples, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Stop judging and you will not be judged. Stop condemning and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and gifts will be given to you. And at the end it says, for the, me- for the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. Mm-hmm. And Father Zampelli was talking about judgment is easier when we don't know no. someone. Mm. Compassion and mercy are easier when we come to understand one another and know one another at a deep level. We are all, and then he went on to say that we are all, sinful and fragile and we need god to knit us back together in the places that we're falling apart yeah how can we truly be there for one another if we're not seeking to know them mm-hmm. if we're not seeking to understand their experiences and in their hearts and what they feel and where they're coming from and we can't get to that unless what what you said we just shut up and listen shut up and listen really and what is that saying travel is the enemy of it's like the the death of xenophobia, basically. Mm. When you go someplace, you realize, oh, this is just a person. Yeah. We're all humans. Completely. And I think that's why traveling is, like, I encourage you guys to travel because I feel like it's been the best education mm-hmm. for, for, for me, at least. And realizing that, you know what, you're, the world doesn't revolve around you. Like, what you know of the world is just a speck of what is out there. You know, there's so many different cultures. There's so many different people. Um, but there is one God, you know, and we're all created by him and mm-hmm. in his image, you know. And imagine how beautiful God is if he has the collective of us and he's made it and we're made in his image. Like, I can't even imagine, Yo. you know, how awesome God is, you know. Wow, that's that's a beautiful image. And it's kind of like even what we were talking about at the beginning with the coronavirus is realizing that we all belong to each other and we're all part of the body of Christ. Mm. We're all humans and we're all beloved sons and daughters of the one true king. Yeah. Regardless of anything, literally whatever it is, like who we are at the core of who we are, are children of God. Really? And it's, and if we start talking to each other and listening to each other with compassion, mercy, and love, like 
just the the change you know in in every in the atmosphere of our of our world there's such a possibility to to for a world of difference to take place it really is and doing that and it's like the talk that i gave a talk um maybe a few weeks ago and um to these high schoolers and i told them like you know the question we always ask is well you know what would jesus do it's a trademark what would jesus do but it's like and like we know what jesus would do you know there's people that study what jesus would do there's like books written all over it but what would you do you know with christ as the center of your existence like what would you do how would Mm. you treat people um how are you you know god calls us to love not in an ordinary way but so extraordinary and it's just yeah there's actually um, this Christian clothing brand. I don't know if you've heard of it. It came up as an Instagram ad. <laughs> Is this Be a Good Person? Uh, no. No. Okay. Um, he is greater than I? No. <laughs> uh, he would love first. He would love first. It's, Whoa. So it's uh, it's a play on the, you know, the what would Jesus do bracelets? You know, yeah. I, I had them growing up. And he would love first. He would love first. So they have actually bracelets that say H-W-L-F. He would love first. Doesn't roll off the tongue though. Yeah. No, it doesn't. First. Okay, I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's guys. Just the concept of like those times where you're asking, okay, like what would Jesus do? He would love first. Yeah. And we forget that. Like, oh my goodness, we forget that. Mm. We forget to love one another. We are so quick to judge. We are so quick to, I don't know, condemn, mm-hmm. rather than to understand mm. and to love. Like, of, of course, of course, um, friends and, and people who, who deeply care about you would challenge you in a loving way. Like, that is part of virtuous friendships is to yeah. challenge one another in a loving way. But in a loving way, it's it's still love. It's still mm-hmm. loving one another. I'm sitting here thinking about it when you ask, what can the Catholic Church do to change? I, I mean, I think even before I came on this, I was really praying about, do I talk about sexuality, knowing that there are other people out there who struggle and the fact that I was afraid not of youtube but of how that can make waves i think waves are good but the fact that i even had to have fear of mentioning it on a catholic podcast Mm. says volumes it's true it's very true just something to ponder yeah no it's very true that that is who you are that is that is a core part of who you are and to have that fear that you can't share who you are when all we when all we ask is to share your true and authentic story that's i i want to thank you deeply yes for being vulnerable and coming on this podcast and and sharing about your sexuality and sharing who you are because that is not an easy feat to do at all definitely we totally commend you for that it's it is truly um a beautiful thing that you that you shared that and i know that there are listeners hearing this and are feeling seen and known Mm -hmm. right now um because you shared that so thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. So last but not least, we just want to, um, we know that you're, you're trying to go into grad school, hopefully for, for social work. So social work, <laughs> as you know, we ministers to the marginalized, right? Jesus ministered to the marginalized. So I just want to ask, what does ministering to the marginalized mean, especially today? Who are the marginalized today? And how do, how can we be there for them? How can we be in um, solidarity with them? You know, I I think it's really simple and we know who the people are that are marginalized. It's Mm -hmm. when somebody comes up to us and we try as quickly as we can to disengage. And -hmm. I have this really great story from just earlier this week. My brother and I were at Mm In-N-Out sitting, eating, and this man next to us 
started a conversation with us and thought, okay, we'll talk. And as he talked, it kind of became apparent that maybe he had some mental health and addiction issues, and maybe he was experiencing homelessness and how normally people, especially when you're eating with your friends or your family, you just kind of want to stay in your bubble. But how do we just give somebody ourselves? How do we step out of our own self-absorption and and look at, oh, this person's looking for human interaction. You know, we can look them in their eyes and, and give them dignity. There's this woman that sits at the park next to where I live. She sits there day in and day out and just covered in blankets and thinking about what is the small interaction we can do to acknowledge somebody as a, as a person. As a human, their dignity. Mm-hmm. Literally yeah. at, the other day at Target, I experienced the same. Oh, this guy was, I was just going to go shopping for a retreat just for like a few supplies. And then this, um, this man, I could tell that he was walking around following people. I think he was asking for money and people were totally disengaged, just shut off and just like, he didn't even exist. Right. Like just walked mm-hmm. past and just got in their car and went away. Um, and when he approached me, he just, I said, I'm sorry, brother, I can't, I don't have any, you know, I don't carry cash on me. Um, and he goes, I just need some food. And I said, okay, what do you need? And so he gave me a few things that he liked. I'm like, what do you, I asked him like, what are your favorite foods? And then, so I said, okay, I'll be right back. Watch my car for me. I'm like, just, just keep an eye on my car for me. Um, and then I, I asked him, what's his name? And I reached his hand out. I reached my hand out to shake his hand. And the look of shock, you know, that he's like, you want to shake my hand? And he asked me, and his name was Shane. Um, it just, it's like he's never been asked that before. Or that ge- He hasn't seen that gesture of even shaking a hand in a long time. Um, and so I went in and I kind of went, I kind of went overboard. Uh, it's Lent season. It's uh, almost Thanksgiving, so I bought like a few cans of food, some spoons. Like um, his favorite chips are the Ruffles cheddar, cheddar and sour cream. Okay, and I'm okay. like, bro, good choice, good, good taste, good taste. Firm chip. Um, I got him like a travel pillow and then just a two person tent, um, and just gave it to him. And then literally, I gave we we went outside and he was still there, um, and he said, you know, he was actually following this this lady who was getting in her car. I thought she was doing the same thing. But then I gave it to him and he goes, thank you so much. This is literally all I need. Right. And then the woman came out and he goes, you're such a good person. I've known this guy for a long time and I've been giving to him when I can, but like, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Wow. And she really affirmed him too. And so we were, we split our ways, but it was just, it's ridiculous. You know, if everybody just had that mindset of doing that for one another, um, instead of just dismissing somebody that doesn't, maybe he's not at a, like you see at a lower level than you um quote unquote i don't know i th- I think that's just such a beautiful moment because i think he also returned you to yourself mm. you know of this inherent goodness of of who we are when yeah. we when we choose to say yes to those moments we remember that we're compassionate people yeah filled with love and that we're human you know being human is how god created us to be but when we sin and we do these things to one another we're we're straying away from who we interiorly naturally are but the more we grow in holiness and compassion and mercy that's when we're we're more human than we'll ever be you know we're more alive i i feel like the entire theme of this episode is that we belong to each other we do cue the song <laughs> <laughs> taylor swift sponsor us um <laughs> so 
Really quickly, we are bringing back our beloved segment, 200 Deep Questions, the segment where you give us a number between 1 and 200, and we ask you a deep question. So what is your number between 1 and 200? 99. 99. Ooh, I, Ooh. I like Has that somebody number. picked that? No. Oh. Oh, okay. Reminds me of Reckless Love. That's Leaves, oh, Leaves the Okay, so disclaimer i picked it because that song you know that line in there leaves the 99 yeah. i like to tell the high schoolers you know that's kind of weird that there was a, a highway back back in the day oh Jesus my had God. to leave the 99 <laughs> he literally told me that on retreat last weekend i was like dude i'm never gonna listen to that song the same way again <laughs> he leaves the 99 the 99 freeway <laughs> and goes on to where the one the 101 <laughs> oh my goodness okay question 99 is if I asked you at age five what you wanted to be when you grew up, what would you say? Oh, boy. At five years old. I don't know what I would have said. I don't think I had that clear direction like doctor or something. I, I think as time went on, I would have said photographer. Maybe. Okay. Nice. I, I think because you get to travel and you get mm. to take pictures of nice, thing, nice things, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> I, I think just anything that would expose me to to more situations cultures people wow. even at that young age you had that desire to get to know others i, I think so i i've i'm kind of introverted and but i've always really liked people so i think anything that gave me genuine connection with other people with other people wow but awesome. the camera is also kind of a safe thing you can hide behind it sometimes it really is i love photography i love to, I would love to travel people. the world and just capture image like moments moments, of, love. moments of people oh, it's yeah, I should um, go back to photography. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Timmy. Thank you for being on MDD with us. It has been such a freaking joy. Yes. Yeah. This is one of, this is an amazing episode. Everything you spoke was just. I mean, I know I say this every time, but this is one of my favorite episodes. It really is. Thank you so much yeah, for sharing this is going to be the favorite until the next one starts. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to hold that in my heart. Like, this is my favorite episode. <laughs> Everyone's like, you've said that about every podcast. <laughs> But no, really, thank you so much for coming on and um, for accepting the invitation and for sharing your testimony. Um, I think the more, you know, if anything, what I grabbed from it, from this recording, this was just to be a more loving and caring person in this world. Just like, I don't know. No, absolutely. And I, I thank you again for your honesty and your vulnerability mm -hmm. um, and your willingness to share your authentic self, even if there was fear or doubt Um and that you were able to expel those fears and doubts and be truly yourself with us. And we commend you for that. And we thank you for that. Um, it's it's truly impacted my heart in, in more ways um, than I can say. But it's it's truly been a blessing to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. <laughs> Are there any socials that you would like to plug ways in which people can get connected with you if they would like to? Uh, I'm actually pretty off the grid. I'm only on Facebook. Okay. You can find me. I think I'm at Timothy Gale, but I've been moving away from Instagram, Snapchat. Just, okay. Just trying to be, to live what I like instead of judging if, oh, hey, is that, is that going to get a lot of likes? So mm. I've moved away from that. Of course. Because I'm not good at it yeah <laughs> i respect it i respect it we do not have a listener testimony this week but if you would like to submit your testimony you can do so at the link in our bio on our instagram we would love to hear how god is moving in your life the way god is moving in your hearts uh, feel free to share your story with us there thank you for tuning into our podcast this has been modern day disciples make sure to like and subscribe follow us on instagram at mdd podcast you can also follow us on twitter at mdd pod happy sunday and get your booty to church. Bye.
Guys, the sun is shining. <gasps> the tank is clean. The tank is clean. The tank is clean. Hi, Bruce. Bye, Bruce. Bye. Conscience, am I dead? <laughs>